Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking... I might feel some pain at some point, but with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Hi, Benjamin, right? Is your name Benjamin? <laughs> yeah, it is. That's what it says on your tag. That's a nice name. Yeah, it's, 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 they give you these when you start working at Staples. Yeah, that it's a is name. Nice. It's a lanyard so people can scream at me, but they can call me by my name. But <laughs> I spoke, I saw you speak um, when you were doing your Kissel Money Management speak the other day, yeah. and you said the idea of... Boom, flip it. Boom, flip it. <laughs> the first thing I thought was... How do I get closer to that man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I get closer to the thoughts of that man? Do you have any money? No, but I'm. I have <laughs> these. Whoa! Who needs this job at Staples? Yeah. Let's get out of here. My name's Glorp. <laughs> Oh, Glorp, that was my mother's name. Hey, what's up, everyone? (laughs) Welcome to the last podcast on the left. I am Ben with Henry and, of course, with Mr. Marcus Parks as well. Hello. This is a story about one of the most dangerous (laughs) sexual playgrounds that ever existed, which is... Really? Yep. Is the conferences around a Utah-based MLM? There's no more. There's there is just so much sex, so much scintillation in this world. Yes, indeed. Of course, rarely do we cover a subject that you can Google them and you can find out what they look like naked. But this week, and I believe next week as well. Yes, we are indeed covering. A superstar in the true crime world. God knows Nancy Grace made a lot of money off of her. Um, <laughs> we are going to talk about Jody Arias. So here it is, Jody Arias. Uh, people have been asking about Jody for a long time. Mm-hmm. People still asking about Jody. Jody is Jody holds the fucking attention of the country still to this day. Yes, she and, does. And Jody is a sexy woman's name. And I do believe is it. Yeah, it's sexier than Glorp. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends what you're into, I guess. But if it's a woman named Glorp, I don't think she's going to become a, a dirty, naughty sex symbol. Oh, my. Unless she's got some crazy yowzers like I do. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Jody Arias was an American murderer who, on June 4th, 2008, slaughtered her ex-boyfriend, Travis Alexander, at his home in Mesa, Arizona, after their tumultuous, years-long relationship turned sour for the last time. For the last time. For the last time. So was it her ex-boyfriend when she killed him? Or were they dating and then that was sort of like, we're breaking up now? <laughs> it, I think that... It was an on-again, off-again relationship for years. Okay. Or not this for years, a, for about a year and a half. 
Okay. This is our. This is a message out to all y'all single last podcast people. Just know that an. What are you talking about? All of our listeners are in extremely steady, stable relationships. (laughs) One of the three of us is in a relationship with his pool. (laughs) Don't forget about the dogs. I know, I know, but I don't include them sexually. Uh, I almost had, you know that Far Side cartoon where the the overweight woman is hanging up the wanted uh, for the dog, the missing dog posters, Mm -hmm. and it's in her butt crack? I kind of had that happen with Jerry this morning. <laughs> I was like, where is this dog? Because he runs away all the time, so I freak out. And then he was he was kind of near my backside there. That is horrifying. <laughs> yes, indeed. But to the single listeners of Last Podcast on the Left, understand this. Is that one of the most dangerous places you can be in. And I think that if murders happen within a relationship, I'm going to say this is no no statistics prove this whatsoever. Sure. But one of the most dangerous places to be is in an unlabeled relationship mm, like that thing sure. where you like while i believe uh, that you should exist however you want to exist and however you relationships want to be just know that when you're in this world because sometimes one person the, while you keep saying there's no label here right this is we're free we're two birds that choose to perch together in an open cage what happens sometimes is that the other person might have a label for it right, right. on their own mm-hmm. and they might kill you to make the label static forever in a Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, and that ain't, that's not fun for anyone. Well, what followed the murder was years of courtroom drama that rivaled the coverage of the Casey Anthony case, albeit for entirely different reasons. While Casey Anthony inspired feelings of indignant rage, how could that mother kill her child? Jody Arias's trial was all about raunchy, illicit, explicit sex. Thank God. I woke up today and I wasn't feeling myself, but now I feel great, Henry. Yeah, thanks for groaning and moaning like that. That's. I feel like it's important to ladle this with as much fake orgasm sounds as possible, just for the memory of Jody. I don't think that Jody ever faked an orgasm in her life. You can call her whatever you want to call her, but you can't call her a liar. <laughs> Maybe so might be correct. No, but he's absolutely he could not be more wrong. <laughs> what? what? But, it, but Marcus, you haven't been watching the same amount of trial footage that I have this week. Wait until next week when you really start watching trial footage. The indignant rage is there. <laughs> that is. Oh true. yeah, people. That I is do true. remember people being mad at her. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of indignant rage though. And yes. with Casey Anthony, it's all. Dead kids. Oh, God, this is so fucking awful. Very sad. (laughs) But with uh, Jody Arias, like, you actually got to hear Jody Arias come in court. Yep. All right. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Well, we'll get to it. You get get to hear her fucking... So, the, so the, what the prosecution was just like, and let's just take a moment to watch her ejaculate. So she just came on the stand. This is a whole. We're, the second episode of this, we'll get we'll get into the the, the truly seedy side of all of this. But Jody Arias, Jody Arias is this this the, technically it's the sexiest a witness stand has ever been. All right, okay, wow. Well, Travis Alexander, the victim here, he was a devout Mormon. And Jody Arias had been the dirty little fuck buddy that he'd purposefully kept on the side for years until he could find a proper Mormon wife. Uh Uh-oh. And it paid off great. (laughs) It definitely paid off something. 
you always the, the fuck buddy needs to be the most sane person that you know. Yeah. That's the strange <laughs> irony of all of it. And it needs to be someone that you are actually in love with, but they don't want to be with you. That's important. So then you're just like, yeah, I'm totally cool with this, Stacey. Like, yeah, we're just like fuck buddies. And then, yes, you can cry. Yeah. But yeah. you will stay alive. Yep. But when you try to compartmentalize a highly dangerous person while continuing to have sex with them, even after it has become clear that they are unstable, unpredictable, and potentially violent, the result is sometimes murder. Murder. I wonder what he saw in this woman, the unpredictable, beautiful woman who is just slightly crazy enough to make him nut harder than any human being on the face of the planet. I don't know what he this saw. This guy really thought he had it figured out. Well, that's the problem. Is what we'll see is that his own stunted version of relationships. Uh, uh, Marcus does address this here. Again, we're not victim blaming. No. It's just the concept of when you're dealing with a habitual line stepper, right? Jody Arias was a habitual line stepper. Every single time she did something that was highly fucked up. Right. He would still have sex with her and and string her along. And then as she becomes more and more unpredictable, he's still keeping her around thinking that he's the fucking what he called himself that he's being big T dog. Oh, right. And I he see. knows how to handle what's going on. But in, in the end, he had no clue what he was messing with. Definitely not. Sounds to me like she's a bit out of bounds. <laughs> the guy Fietti. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, continue to have a sexual relationship with a person like Jody Arias. It's kind of like raising a bear in your own backyard. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. At first, it's all cuddles and What, you want to have sex with it? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where is this analogy going? It's kind of like fucking the bear that you're raising for a little while. I mean, it hey. turns out you skipped lunch for the bear. He ate your cock off. I mean, Marcus said he wants to run a zoo, but I didn't know why. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a little tiny bear, and it's cuddles, and it's fun. You're thinking, this is going to be great forever. Yeah, it's oh. got a pussy that won't quit. <laughs> I but just, ben, I- ben, that bear is going to grow up. And the question is not if it will attack, but when. Yeah, and it's been saying yes. it's been into anal this whole time, and it turns oh, out it's not. Really? Wow. <laughs> I just love that Marcus had to come up with an analogy, and he's like, what would make me happy? <laughs> oh, raising a little bear. I've never heard you mention bears before. I didn't even think that you cared about a bear, but apparently quarantine is changing all of us. <laughs> I'd love to have a little bear. You'd love to have a little bear. <laughs> I didn't know. I'll get you a bear. But this is more about the idea of you think you're in charge. Yes. Like tra- Travis was very, very deadly wrong that right. he was not in charge of the situation. Absolutely. Now, as we said, the Jody Arias trial got nearly as much coverage as Casey Anthony's, complete with nightly self-righteous bloviations from Nancy Grace about how awful and terrible of a human being Jody Arias really was. Can you believe she has the nerve to be beautiful? <laughs> Nancy Grace, I do have to defend her. When we when we met her at uh, at CrimeCon, she was wearing cowboy boots and sweatpants, and then a little a little blouse, and it was just adorable. She's really cute. You can hit her with the jeep, and she'll just roll over the hood. She is a very strong, tiny woman. We broke up three months ago. <laughs> so Get Wayne's out of World here, Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, Laura Flynn Boyle from Wayne's World is going to come up quite a bit. <laughs> Since there was so much coverage, we used plenty of documentaries and TV shows as research. Too many to list. But our main source here is Picture Perfect by Shanna Hogan, which is a solid, straightforward accounting 
of this crime of the century of the week. It's a great way to put it. Now, the question of how a woman premeditatively stabbed her ex-boyfriend over two dozen times in the pursuit of his murder is answered in the buildup of a thousand small incidents. So while some of what we're going to talk about in this episode may seem relatively trivial, it's all necessary to understanding the why behind this crime. Indeed. It's why a pile of pebbles can turn into a wall. Yeah. She is the, 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 the escalation is really intense, and it happens fairly quickly. And it's kind of written on the wall. I don't know what happened, but as soon as she chose Travis, I was talking about this with Natalie. Like, Travis Alexander, whatever you want to say to him, say about him, is that he's a fairly... I, I don't want to say like run of the mill guy, but he was he was successful in his own little world. But he was this kind of he's a converted Mormon that he converted, huh? From a little kid, we'll get into the huh. story. But she chose him, yeah. And when uh. she chose him, everything else kind of went out the door for her. And then when he thought he was Mister Johnny Cool, uh huh, with his dirty little texts, thinking that he can <laughs> handle all this on his own. Do you she, think that he said before he said to text me, like, this is going to be a nasty one? Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm getting nasty today. <laughs> well, essentially, I mean, this story has all the drama of a Lifetime movie, but with none of the shine and gloss that's added in to make it a palatable hour and a half of trash TV. And what we're left with is a truly filthy, yet still tragic, murder. Now, when it comes to the upbringings of murderer Jody Arias and murder victim Travis Alexander, they pretty much had the opposite types of childhoods than what we've come to expect from a murderer-murdery relationship. Travis, the murder victim, had an absolutely fucking awful childhood, being one kid out of eight born to meth-head parents whose house was so disgusting, Travis developed a phobia of cockroaches from waking up so many times covered in bugs. All right, makes sense. You'd think that the human mind would make you then friends with the bugs. <laughs> I mean, you got to have some friends somewhere, but I think at some point once the bugs are eating all of your food and you realize they are actually a total enemy, it might tra- traumatize you. <laughs> yeah, when one of the bugs turns out to be t- t- uh, child molester Woody Allen. <laughs> That's got to be very unfortunate. I didn't know he was in a bug's life. I did not know that. <laughs> he was actually an ant's. Oh, that came out the same year Travis as Travis Morgan started. I, yeah, we talked about this on Top End. I get that wrong all the time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I actually mention it quite often. You do. That's strange. <laughs> well, Travis's parents were also violent. As Travis's father once destroyed all of his mother's belongings with an axe in a meth-fueled rage. And Ooh. Travis's mother would regularly beat the children if they woke her up from one of her meth come-down naps. Henry, you know what this is all about. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I try to never wake up myself when I'm coming down from meth. I get so mad I beat me. <laughs> I um, mean, I know it though. My dad was an over-the-night, over-the-road truck driver overnight. He would drive at the night so he sleeps during the day. You wake up the dad, next thing you know, everything's falling apart. The strange thing about waking up someone who doesn't want to be woken up, they actually wake up and then they get very, very physical. Um, and then technically that's going to make them stay up longer. That's so what happens. I just want to be like, go to bed. Don't, why are you mad? Stop beating me. You're raising your heart rate. Yeah. But uh, my father had a full-time job as a police officer, but then he had a nighttime job of being at the bar. Right. And then his not waking him up was a part of the day, which is why uh, Jackie and I used to make videos outside. Which is perfect. Great yeah. for creativity. However, Travis actually got somewhat lucky because he also had a nice Mormon grandmother. 
and instead of following in his parents' footsteps, he took the Mormon path because that was a hell of a lot better than the life his parents were offering. Do you have any idea how hard it is to follow in a meth head's footsteps? Yeah, you <laughs> about where you gotta go and how fast you have to do it. All the stutter steps, you have to climb on top of a bus stop, you gotta go hang out for and spin in a circle, like by not a causeway. It's very difficult. So, following his grandmother's faith, Travis was baptized as a Mormon at the age of 10, became a full member at 16, and served his mission in Denver, Colorado when he came of age. I thought you had to go somewhere that was, like, hard to be. No. You just get to go to Denver? Some people do. Some people do. It depends on what you pull, which one you pull, because it depends also when you volunteer, and it depends on what your skill sets are. Like, I remember I had a Mormon friend in high school that was close to fluent in Spanish, so he went to South America. Okay. And so if you're super, like, vocal and knowledgeable about terpenes, yeah, you do great in Denver. (laughs) All right. Now, Travis's Mormon faith is among the most interesting and defining aspects of his short life. See, unlike a lot of people raised in the Mormon faith who find it oppressive, Travis saw it as an escape from an awful situation, joining not for the teachings of Joseph Smith, but rather for the comfort a Mormon life provided. Travis seems to me like he converted for community. Yeah, And right. it, it, beca- it became a lifestyle. Like, I think that he... because. I would never label him necessarily, especially because of his actions. He really wasn't a devout Mormon. He just was really in tune with the lifestyle because it changed his whole life. Sure. It got him uh, success in his job. It got him a stable social circle. All of these things that were really important to him, more important than whatever the Mormon church had to say, obviously, because the rest of the time he was gooshing, gooshing, gooshing as much as he physically could, which I get. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's very that's a that's a very important reason for a lot of people to join the church. I still remember when someone came to our church who was gay and our church said, "We know exactly what to do." So they hooked him up with a lesbian who was also a truck driver <laughs> and they got married and I don't think it canceled each other out. That I is, have no idea what they're doing nowadays. That is a perfect solution, Kissel. Isn't it? That's what my church thought. It's so it good. Really it's always really important cuz what this story in particular really shows, it's really important to take all those emotions that all humans feel at all times, unpredictable and not and really cram them down (laughs) right like down down inside of you because they never just like turn into a fucking spike of horrible violence absolutely not great point henry well joining the church introduced a lifelong schism into travis's life because while the mormon faith arguably saved his life you can't really be a cultural mormon and partake in the community without adhering to all the weird bullshit rules or at least appearing to adhere to the bullshit rules. Yeah, he tried. Yeah. He tried to he follow tried. all the rules. You know, and that, yeah. cause that's a part of it, is that he thought it, it's just so difficult to be a casual Mormon. Because it, in, in, what have we learned from the Mormonism series that we did? Inherently, it's a fringe religion. It's right. very orthodox. You can't just play at being orthodox Jewish. You know what I mean? Like You, <laughs> you yeah. have to buy into the system at some point, because if not, you're technically surrounded by a, a sea of narcs right. that are also bitter about not having coffee and not gooshing into the butt before they're married. And they are... they can do that. They can be mad at you. Well, they can do it, yeah. but sometimes it gets you moited. Okay. So, Travis began adulthood trying to live the life of a good Mormon, playing the part of the hardworking and industrious funny guy in the group, who, yep. despite the shitty hand life adult, he always kept that Mormon positivity at the forefront. 
he's the he's the kind of guy with four Dunder Mifflin shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I just think The Office is one of the funniest shows that's ever happened on TV because it's just like my office job. It's like my, <laughs> it's like my job. You should come down to my office and see so many characters in that. You can write a whole show about. There's a guy named Joe and he got yeah. accused of rape. Yeah. And there's a guy that's named like Tom. That episode of The Office. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's just like our job. <laughs> Early on, though, Travis found himself wildly in debt, which led to him getting caught up in a multi-level marketing program called Prepaid Legal. Oh, no. Founded in 1973 by a guy named Harlan Stonecipher. Cool. That's a cool, that is a cool name. Prepaid Legal isn't necessarily an out-and-out scam, but it is definitely an MLM. Pretty much how it works is you buy into the prepaid legal team through an associate by paying $250, and they give you the privilege of selling insurance that ensures the buyer always has a lawyer when they need one. Oh, that gives me the privilege to sell insurance. This is awesome. (laughs) For only $250? I get to sell insurance? I think I saw an episode of The Office about this. <laughs> this is incredible. Wait till I tell everybody down at the whorehouse <laughs> yeah. where I've been working as a mop boy all this time. <laughs> yeah, not anymore, buddy. Now you're selling insurance. It's even worse than being a come up. <laughs> For every policy sold, the associate makes 100 bucks, And of course, there's always plenty of pressure to get more associates under you who also sell plans, and they Mm. are in turn pressured to get more associates under them, and so on and so forth it goes. Seems like it's building some kind of pyramid. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of Uh. like a a plan, or I would even say a scheme. Some sort of scheme. scheme. Some kind of scheme to build a pyramid. I don't know anything about that. I don't think the office covered that. The the original (laughs) pyramid was built by artisans. Isn't that something? But whether it was his positive attitude or his natural charm, Travis Alexander was one of the few people who could make a multi-level marketing scheme work for him. Yep. He was actually successful and even managed to sell a plan to the guy who played Barney the Dinosaur, which was a big fucking get in the 90s. Yep. What are you talking? That's a big get now. That's a big get forever. <laughs> he got the guy who played Barney the Dinosaur and he got a picture of, because I, I forget the line was like something like, now, and tell me, if you think a dinosaur needs to get insurance, shouldn't you? I think yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Hey, he was the funny guy. You know, like he would play in his presentations, like he had like an old man character that he'd play. You know, he was just the, the regular funny guy. Well, yeah. you got it. If you're selling to Barney. You better be on your A game, because you know Barney is sweet on camera, but he's a real Ellen behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, he is looking at you up and down, because if you're coming at Barney, it needs to be choice. Yes, it does. Well, going off this, Travis doubled down on a life of self-betterment and positivity. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it later created some gigantic blind spots when it came to judging other people, namely mm. Jody Arias. He was a happy-go-lucky guy. Sure. Yeah. He uh, thought he was in this his own world, right, where he was kind of a superstar. And he did all of these sort of motivational speaker things mm-hmm. where he'd come out and talk about... Because he did change his life. Yeah. He went from living a very hard lifestyle and then moved his way up. And now he's comfortably within yeah. this world of the Mormon church which is a haven for predators. Well, I mean, and to his credit, you don't you don't assume that the person you are in a relationship with or quasi relationship is going to be a murderer. No. Most of them are not. No. I do. 
Well, that's because you live a life of fear because of your abused childhood when it comes to how the women treat you. I'm just scared of women, and I think importantly so. I know a woman can kill, and they will kill. Yes, indeed. Eventually, Travis moved to the Mormon stronghold of Mesa, Arizona, the most conservative city in America, which, according to a former mayor, attracts the sort of people who think, quote, being boring is okay. Oh, man, we got listeners at Mesa who just threw their their fucking, I want to say, just old school cans across the room. <laughs> Whatever. All you know is, though, the outliers of Mesa are going crazy. <laughs> like, that is where, like, they're like, yeah, it's pretty normal out here. And then you go to a field party and you're like... How is everybody gaping? Yeah, yeah. There's How a, is that even possible? I Everyone just is doing saw it. a man blow DMT inside of another man's asshole. Yeah. So anyway, I guess it's okay to be normal here. Huh? <laughs> and even though Mormons now make up only 14% of the Mesa population, they were the founders of the city, and they still control the levers of government to the point where even the current mayor is just the latest in a long string of Mormon leaders. Now, obviously, the Mormon community is why Travis Alexander chose the town of Mesa, because while he had his conflicts, like, Travis was still a pretty dedicated member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I, I wouldn't necessarily say devout, but definitely dedicated. He's yeah. more into it than all of us. <laughs> yeah, but he, he was a part of their society, a functioning yeah. part, a and to, to rise up in it, like, he was thriving within the Mormon community, so he was sticking by it. And to be a functioning part of any kind of church community, that means you just have to participate in the potluck, and you better make enough fucking gumbo for everyone this time. <laughs> yep. Okay? If, <laughs> one, person, if one person is hungry, you know who didn't leave one person hungry? Isn't that interesting? Jesus, he threw a bunch of fish at people. He threw fucking fish at people. <laughs> In fact, Travis promised all the things a Mormon is supposed to promise, and he tried to live by that shit. He swore in his endowment ceremony that he would not have sexual relations with anyone other than his wife, and even went as far as to wear a CTR ring. Now, this was one of those small things that we didn't get to cover in our Mormonism series, but CTR is an abbreviation of the Mormon phrase, choose the right. Taken from an old Mormon hymn, it's supposed to be a reminder to choose the righteous path in all decisions. But like most oppressive religions, it's mostly used to suppress sexual urges. Mm. And even though Travis read the Book of Mormon over 20 times and could recite hundreds of passages from memory, sex was his one weak point. Because Travis, like almost every other man in his 20s, he liked to fuck. And he liked yep. it yep. dirty, at least by dirty by Mormon standards, normal by everyone else's. <laughs> I mean, his ideas must have been so exotic to everybody else. We'll get into what his friends thought of Jody later on, but that's kind of the truth is that he came, he came from a fairly childlike view of yeah. sex, especially because of the Mormon church. But he was just a healthy mid-20s guy yeah. that was horny as all fucking get out. I mean, and it, it, so the Mormon, the Mormon juice didn't go all the way down to the roots. It didn't get down to the stem. It has to. The stem was a good old you, normal gra- American. You're grabbing your penis in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stem. <laughs> That's what I figured. Now, at first, Travis felt pretty guilty about his dalliances and confessed to multiple sexual conquests. This, of course, led him to temporarily lose his temple privileges every single time, which effectively cut him off from his community for the entire time that he was banned. You can't go in a temple, you can't be a Mormon. 
Part of the problem was that Travis was having sexual encounters with other Mormons, which led to a collective guilt that usually resulted in those confessions. But in 2006, Travis Alexander met a woman who seemed to be the dirty little non-Mormon fuck doll on the side who could circumvent all of that. What we're going to see is Travis, normally the tragedy here would be a man hurting another woman's feelings, hurting another person's feelings for the sake of treating them like an object. Yeah. Right? Travis found Jodi Arias, and it's true. I think the term fuck doll is what he did view her as. He thought that her was just this, a thing that was going to be his property. Like, women are received, and, and the way women are perceived within the Mormon church. That they, mm. the, he was still in that fucking view of reality, that he viewed women as subjected to men. That we go and they do what they want with women, but Seems Jody like Arias he did a weekend with Jackie Zabrowski. I mean, she would have beat him up. <laughs> she would have beat the shit. No, that's what he what he got was stabbed thirty times. Oh, he did have a weekend with Jackie Zabrowski. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like with Travis Alexander, like Jody Arias was him sowing his wild oats. You yes. know, get it out of your system before you find the proper Mormon wife. Nothing is crazier than oats. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> said that I don't know why they always say sow the wild oats. Oh, that's crazy! You're gonna make a nutty bread with that. Huh? Oh, look at how wild this oat is! It's very brown. Wow, you're really sowing that wild oat. Now, unlike Travis, Jody Arias had a relatively normal, if slightly volatile, suburban upbringing. The eldest of five kids born to Bill and Sandra Arias in Salinas, California, Jody, by her own admission had an ideal cul-de-sac childhood. But as Jody approached her teens, she began to show signs of instability. Although friends described her as intelligent and shy, her parents encountered an irritable, enraged rebel who regularly threatened suicide when she didn't get her way. I mean, yeah, her that's, parents, teenage, that's being a teenager. Yes, her parents decidedly could not handle her emotions. No. Sure. Well, we now, with Jody Arias, or I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. Jody Arias, when there are a lot of people who kind of did armchair psychotherapy and psychiatry on her, and then in the trial, we'll see how many people try to diagnose her with bullshit, and they all say different stuff. Yeah. But whatever she had g- d- cooking down inside yeah. was bubbling up as a teenager, and she just would spike really, really hard, mm. where she would have outrageous outbursts, but. The parents, instead of being like, what's wrong? Like, hey, how can we help? They were like, you're bad, and which didn't help anything. I yeah. see. Yeah, you're bad, and they also met it with violence. Like, her mm-hmm. dad was this big, huge fucking dude. He'd push her into walls and furniture when she disobeyed. And uh, her mother, when she was a kid, carried around a wooden spoon in her purse. And if the kids act up, thwack with the fucking spoon. That's pretty classic. I got that's whack pretty with vintage. Spoon. You got yeah. whack with a spoon, right? Of course, the spoon. I mean, my parents would go shopping for the ones with holes in them, so you can get extra. Yeah, yeah. You want you want that crack of the bat, and you turned out just fine. We all did. I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, all three of us uh, had corporal punishment, and boy, we turned out great, didn't we? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not paying how yeah. much money a month for I therapy. Mean, <laughs> I, don't I don't ejaculate every time I stub my toe or anytime I feel an immense amount of pain. No, I'm fine, man. It's totally normal. Yeah. Well, the big conflict came when Jody was caught growing weed in Tupperware containers on the roof of her house, which caused her dad to overreact and call the cops. 
Oh, never she do had, that. She had that kind, those kinds of parents. Yeah. They, instead of like <sighs> punching her or flipping out, they just call the cops on her. Why would any never call the cops? It's not like a learning lesson. It's like your kid's gonna go away for ten years and it's, have a rap sheet. Yes, yeah, 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 or they'll you know randomly kill somebody in the future. Yeah. Whatever. After that, Jody kept her entire life a secret from both of her parents. She effectively cut him off. Now, the news media likes to go on and on about how attractive Jodi Arias is. And while she is conventionally good-looking, she's basically your standard brunette who's just pretty enough to use her looks to get what she wants. But she's a murderer, Ted. <laughs> she's a murderer, Ted. <laughs> just like Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony is like, she's just kind of a normal Florida girl, but... For murderers. For a murderer. murderer. Yeah. yeah. But I would put her, if we're going to get into this horrible conversation, I would say that Jody Arias is more attractive than Casey Anthony, actually. Objectively. I disagree. I think Casey Anthony is cuter than Jody Arias. Well. Great. Well, I'm just so happy we're talking about this. There's a dead child and a dead man. <laughs> but which which one of these two chicks had better who was? <laughs> that is a toss-up. But the problem with attaching your worth to your attractiveness is that it tends to mix up the ego circuits. And when it came to Jody, she lost herself in relationships, making whoever she dated her total identity. When she'd get upset at whoever she was dating, she'd turn the anger inward and suppress it until she'd later unleash every negative emotion by kicking holes in walls, smashing windows, and breaking shit. All behaviors that essentially made her a person made entirely of red flags. The first person to get a taste of all this was Bobby Juarez, a vampire-obsessed 18-year-old goth who worked at the local gas station arcade combo. Oh, dude, I love this guy. Yeah, gas station goths are the bridge to a lot of personal awakenings in small towns. Hell yeah, man. And you know you can just flip the switch on the video games and then you can play for free. You just gotta go in the back. All day long. All day. But this was her first, like, her first taste of the counterculture. She dated a, a gasoline vampire. <laughs> hey, man, that's better than blood. That's oil. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. Shecky Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
You can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and... I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Now Jody was all in when it came to the arcade vampire lifestyle. But when Bobby started talking about moving further south to join the real vampires of California... She ended the relationship. That was too much. It was scary. Oh, man. And now, as we learned with Johnny Depp, Hollywood vampires, it's not really a group you even want to be a part of. No, I mean, <laughs> unless, I, but I bet you they have quite a spread backstage. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sure of that. That they don't eat. And, and of course they don't eat. They're fucking, you know, Johnny Depp's smoking meth. He's not hungry. Oh, Alice Cooper brings his own salad. Of course he does. Now, Jody was very easily influenced, and while working at the family restaurant one day, a regular started quoting scripture from Revelation, and even gave her his date for the apocalypse, September 23rd, 1997. It's come. No, it's already happened? Damn. (laughs) So, worried about the immortal soul of her vampire ex-boyfriend, Jody called up Bobby to warn him about the upcoming rapture, and they ended up getting back together. Wait, what? She learned about this. <laughs> this is how she learned that sometimes you just call an ex-boyfriend and then your boyfriend and girlfriend again. Mm-hmm. All over again. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And before her parents knew it, 
she'd lost herself in the relationship, and she moved in with Bobby at the age of 17. Hmm. Problem was, Jody was still in high school, and Bobby the goth didn't have a job anymore. What happened to the gas station gig? I'm fucking, uh, I don't have time to work at the gas station anymore. I have to build this casket. Well, (laughs) all right. Do you have any idea how hard Dr. Van Helsing will attempt to find my (laughs) hidden grave? Make a good point. I get it. But yeah, we are out of tackies. If you can go to the grocery store and get the spicy ones. Yeah, the little rolled up chips then. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, isn't that kind of fun? You can kind of suck You can suck the sour cream right through them. Mm-hmm. You break the points off so I don't get stabbed through the heart. Of, okay? It's scary to be a vampire. I'm it, vulnerable. It ain't easy, no. Uh, after uh, Jody broke up with him the first time, he went into the mental institution for a while. He did not take it well. Oh, wow. I see. So... Jody dropped out of high school her senior year. She never graduated from high school, and she got a job at Denny's as a server while also bussing tables at a restaurant called The Purple Plum. Things were different. <laughs> this would turn into like a song. Some about gas station vampire and a waitress at Denny's making sweet love, robbing a bank. Like, there's a whole lot of romance that could have happened in this scenario that was just unfulfilled. Just the purple plum. I have too many friends with hemorrhoids <laughs> that I can't even deal with that term. Yeah, I just think I'm Ed pretty Larson. sure that's how Eddie describes it as a purple plum. Yeah, him just wincing on an airplane <laughs> is all I see when I think of purple plums. Uh, there was unfortunately not much romance there because, you know, Bobby, he was spending all their money calling to one nine hundred phone sex lines. What? Yeah, that, he had an addiction. Uh, the nineties, huh? Hi. What are you wearing tonight? Wearing a cape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vampire, so it's hard for me to go outside. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. There's thousands of thousands of years of lore going all the way back to Central Europe. As you can tell, it starts with Vlad the Impaler, the Vlad Dracul, that even though his name does sound ferocious, he did bring together the Hungarian people in a revolution. That's great. It's just gone up to $5 a minute. $5 a minute. So if you trace the Vlad Dracul's lineage, you'd see that actually he inspired many Hungarian heroes of the scene. There was Vlad Dracul 2. There was Vlad Dracul 3. There Congratulations, was... your 45th minute is free. And I'm making money on this. <laughs> and Bobby was also having an emotional affair with a woman in Louisiana uh, through email. And what? Okay, I'm not even getting into all this emotional affair stuff. What do you mean? Emotional? Why? It's very real. I don't. Emotional fails are, are they're very real. It called a friendship. Yeah, but there is there is a little bit of, um, I'm going to say there's a little bit of paprika on a friendship. It's different. That is more of an emotional affair. So it makes a good deviled egg. <laughs> <laughs> and some relish. It's a little different, though. You guys have a. It's a it's, it, you you would be upset if you found out that your f- fiancés or wives had uh, had an emotional relationship. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Yeah. That's what we're saying. <laughs> I, I yeah. figured it all out. Enormously upset. Yeah. Yeah. You're it's cheating. Upset. It's emotionally cheating. It's an emotional affair. All right. <laughs> I just. <laughs> okay, just I got it. <laughs> I get it. Well. After they had a fight about all this, Bobby, he almost broke Jody's arm. He physically attacked her. Mm-hmm. So she moved in with her grandparents. I didn't know that when I said I liked him. <laughs> I said I liked him because he worked at a freaking gas station slash arcade and he's a vampire. <sighs> well, eventually, she made her way down to Big Sur, where she got a job at a resort working for a man named Daryl Brewer. Daryl was a chain-smoking alcoholic 20 years older and recently divorced. But for some reason... Jody fell for him. 
Uh, cause he's fucking cool. <laughs> he's got a divorce. That is pretty awesome. When you meet a new guy, guy who's just divorced and he's acting like he's 18 again, yeah, but he's yeah. 41 years old, that's fucking cool as hell. Especially yeah. when you're 18. Yeah, that's pretty neat. The way he smokes and drinks all the time and stuff. All yeah. the time. Doesn't give a shit about you. So you're just like, that's so fucking cool. He must, he's so busy handling his divorce. Right. That makes, that gives me a WAP. He's probably smoking 40 cigarettes a day. Uh, yeah. I looked up WAP this morning. What is it? Oh. It means wet-ass pussy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Cardi B song, the new Cardi B song. Tracks. I had to look it up. Well, now, uh, so the pussy so the, so the, but the pussy is wet because the butt's sweaty. No, wet. it's wet-ass. Wet-ass. Ass is, is the ass sweat load. coming from the, from, the, from the butt? No, the ass is a- Why is she what wet? What is that, a descriptive adverb? Yeah, what would you call yeah, that yeah. of wet? Yeah, wet-ass. Isn't this the woman that everyone wanted to run for Senate? <laughs> I mean, I'm still behind it. I, still, I support her now. But this time with Daryl, Jody molded herself into being what she thought Daryl wanted by emulating Daryl's ex-wife. Jody dyed her I- hair blonde to look like her, got breast implants right after the ex-wife did to get similar-sized breasts, and she even mm. bought the same kind of car that Daryl's ex-wife drove. I bet you it's one of those VW bugs. Yeah. Could be. Everyone loved the bugs. My mom had a bug. It was really cute. They are cute, but it's, it's like a hot girl car. Yeah. It's like the way, like a Jetta. Do you remember when Jetta was yeah, like a hot my, girl you car? You think my mom's hot? She, she I, I, have I haven't number. seen old pictures want, of her. You, yeah, you want to have an emotional relationship <laughs> with my mom? That's actually, the, I would rather have a physical relationship <laughs> with your mother than an emotional relationship. <laughs> I don't want to go into the sphere of the Kissel family emotions any deeper than oh I'm in. <laughs> but this is, this is, to me, the big turning point. Yeah. I asked a bunch of friends about this. And the idea of when, when she went single white female, because that's what this is, right? Right, right. She starts to mold herself in the view of of what she thought Daryl Brewer would love. Yeah. Right? That I'm going to look just like- But they're getting a divorce. But he moved closer to the wife several times. He was very close and missed his wife. And oh. he talked about his ex-wife quite a bit. And so she, starting to play psychological games, she dyed the hair blonde. And in my mind, I think that's when her entire character changed. The hair dye- the, the blonde hair released something inside of her. It's like we talk about when Andrew Cunanan bleached his hair. Yeah. And then he went fucking yeah. kill crazy. There's something about this idea of like she became another person and realized she was giving up some of herself to for this other man. And then that should lead to a series of expectations, right? Of look at how I've changed. Yeah. You didn't ask me to change. Right. But look at how much I'm changing. She went under the knife. To be she got a breast implants. She got a breast implants. I don't we don't know whether or not he asked her or if she just did that, but there's something about this thing of like now there's a series of being like, Well now you owe me emotionally because of how much I changed to be sexual. I mean, what else does this guy have going on? I mean, if I'm him, sure. I mean, I don't know. He's a forty year old chain smoking alcoholic who owns a resort and begs her. Yeah. Just hang out with Jody a bunch. But he has no rules. And it's not like Outback no rules. Because actually, <laughs> Outback has Outback, a lot of there's rules. There's a lot of rules. <laughs> a lot of freaking rules. There's a and lot by of the rules. way, if I if I ask for more of the dipping sauce from the Bloomin' Onion, and then they're like three dollars. It's like, well, the just not, that's point? a rule fucking right there. Onions are very cheap. <laughs> and the and the, and the, bl- bl- the Bloomin' Onion itself is twenty bucks. <laughs> so you can give me a little bit more of the dressing, please. You're paying for craft, you're paying for man out. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Now, Jody ended up dating Daryl for three years, but by 2006, things were starting to wind down. She was starting to get bored with him. 
But just as that relationship was disintegrating, Jody's manager at California Pizza Kitchen showed her a prepaid legal DVD, and she (gasps) immediately bought in. She doesn't have a high school degree, though. Nope. They need one. But but she was going to be part of... Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> yeah, she didn't need one. You don't need one to sell insurance. All you have to do is pay 250 bucks. Well, I think yeah. you should have some kind of education. Why? So you know what the insurance is that you're selling and why did somebody need it. Well, so just because you didn't... a scam artist. Marcus? She paid $250, Ben. That's all it takes. She got the privilege to sell insurance. She paid her $250. That's the free market at work, my friend. I love it. All right. That's great. By September of that year, Jody was meeting with Michelle Hagen, who was an associate of Travis Alexander's. And Jody was invited to attend a prepaid legal convention in Las Vegas where she met the man she would one day murder. But let's set the scene, all right? It's the strip. You got Dean Martin. Oh, love Dean. He's slapping a maid. You got the Sahara. Got the buffets going. Oh my! The city's a bustle. She's looking around like, oh, look at all of these, look at all of these lights, and yeah. and and look at all. Oh, this is old, amazing. The old Arby's restaurant where they actually had the cowboy hat that would light up, yeah. as opposed to the new Arby's logo, the sellout logo. Yeah, this is huge <laughs> for her. She's seeing it. She's feeling the vibe. You know what I mean? Siegfried's there. Roy is sick. Oh well, Roy this is, is during a period of time. So Siegfried's up there doing his spoken word album. It's not doing great, especially because he doesn't have a full grasp of the language. Right, you right. know. But it's yeah. it's it's about a it's a vibe. All right. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun happening here. Now, despite how the actual Lifetime movie about the murder makes it seem, the meeting of Jody and Travis was terribly mundane. Pretty much, a group of prepaid legal people were hanging around outside the Rainforest Cafe in Vegas. Where else are you going to go? Yeah. There's no other place to go. It is the place to be. They got the fucking volcano yeah. every 30 minutes, dude. Yeah. I don't like to eat around uh, moving water. I just think it's very unappetizing. The whole smell. Huh. Anyway. Are you fucking Baba Yaga? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Who's Baba just Yaga? Saying, I, I, it's just like the, the perennial old hag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, a, she's, a, she's the Russian boogie woman. She lives in a house with chicken feet that runs around. Yeah, witches can't cross open water. Are you a fucking witch? <laughs> no, witches don't eat. It does sound like witches an old, eat all the does time. Sound like an old folk eat? tale. To keep the witch from stealing one's ears, one must always eat near running water. Yeah. Yes. It's just, I don't like the way it smells. I mean, I know it's moving. I just don't like the Rainforest Cafe. Okay. That's different. <laughs> it's because of the moving water. <laughs> it's not because of all the animatronic things and getting misted from the ceiling, and God knows where that water's coming from. Give me a nice, dry Planet Hollywood any day. <laughs> the key to a Planet Hollywood is it being dry. Absolutely. <laughs> if it's wet, that's Get like, out of there. That's, that's yeah. one that Arnold Schwarzenegger's been in directly. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, outside of the Rainforest Cafe... That's where Travis and Jody met. Pretty much yep. just Travis are, hey, she looks cute. I'm going to go talk to her. And almost sure. immediately, he was transfixed. Hi, Travis. At the first, Travis, hi, I'm Jody. And then you could just feel that, <laughs> and everyone just like, what was that? And I just heard a 10-foot Mormon boner. <laughs> <laughs> and since he was transfixed, the next day, he invited her to the prepaid legal black and gold ball, which was a special oh. event reserved only for high-level executives. Yeah, dude. Oh, so wow. she came. This was a huge get. 
She was just new. She just paid her 250 bucks. Right. She was just allowed to look at the documents, the sacred hidden documents <laughs> the deep within a chest. documents? Yes. Yeah. It had to be, you had to put the Herkimer glasses on in order to see them. They didn't right. exist unless you put the Herkimer glasses on. Moroni delivered them. She looked at the special insurance page. So she was supposed to be nowhere near the black and gold ball. Yeah. Wow. Travis plucked her from the dregs. Uh-huh. He plucked her from the footlings and put her up into the with the stars. Like a dumpy Cinderella. I love it. Well, Jody agreed. She had but well cuz she said she had nothing to wear. She was like, "Well, I can't go cuz I have nothing to wear." And to the like, black and the black What is it? The black and gold? Black and gold ball, yeah. It's huge. And so he had to go and when he went out and he got her a dress. Oh, and put it God. on her. And she for that night, she too was a high-level executive. <laughs> All right, well, good for her. She's living the dream. After that, they got to know each other even better. And after Jody told him about her relationship with Daryl and how it was falling apart because she wanted kids and he was a 40-year-old alcoholic, (laughs) Travis started talking to her about what else but Mormonism. Yep, this is when the sales pitch comes in clutch. This is when he understands, oh, I can convert. I can make a convert. Right here. Mm-hmm. You know, I say you need a break, though. You can't just string. These are not Rodney Dangerfield jokes when it comes to relationships. You can't just string them along. You need to have a hard break. You need to break up with somebody, mm. and then you need to take care of yourself. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Wow, good advice. I lost Jerry in my ass crack this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, in this, in the Mormonism pitch... Jody saw another opportunity to mold herself into what a man wanted her to be, or at least what she thought a man wanted her to be. A week after the convention, Travis invited Jody to a Mormon service where he presented her with the Book of Mormon and said, I challenge you to read it. He double-dog dared her? <laughs> he just straight up went Marty McFly with it? You call me chicken? You don't think I'll do this? Well, it's, I challenge you to read through this bullshit and try to understand it. And then come back to me in a week. Uh, she might just be crazy enough to figure it all out. That's exactly <laughs> what she kind of thought, I think. Yeah. I think she's, I'm going to get this book. This is the time. This is maybe, this is the, this is the sign I've been waiting for. It's got to be better than this Elkie uh, she's dating previously, mm-hmm. so... But even though Mormonism was supposedly the reason for their meeting, this was also when they began a sexual relationship. See, since they lived in different states, they had met halfway at the home of Travis's friends, Chris and Skye Hughes. The answer is no. If your friend is like, hey, bro, I got this new chick. Can we meet at your house? Because we're just like, she's long distance, I'm long distance. The answer is no. No, I don't let anybody just make my house a fuck stop. No. (laughs) (laughs) So after everyone went to bed, Travis snuck over to Jody's room. Because remember, they got to keep it secret. Everyone in the house is a good Mormon. And he climbed into bed where they both participated in oral sex, beginning an emotional and sexual relationship that would drive both of them to the brink again and again over the next year and a half. Uh... <laughs> some great oral sex. Well, what ha- it's interesting because... What's weird is it's something similar that I think happened between me and my girlfriend because I was oh, when I was in high school, right? I was. You really... want to tell us a story about how you and your girlfriend gave each other fellatio when you were in high school? 
Mm-hmm. You want to tell that story? I'm just saying, but he went right to the Cunnilingi. Yeah. Right? Which is fairly advanced for somebody who's probably, I don't know how much Cunnilingi he's Kung- done. Now he can't stop thinking of Skanjili. <laughs> it's Skanjili Don't fucking say it. Don't even fucking now say I'm it. like so mad at you. Don't even say it. I want to hear it again. But I will say, apparently, they kissed a little bit. And he went straight to the lick. Yep, great. Which is like, I mean, I guess good for him. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Get right in there because that's legal. That's Mormon look. legal mm-hmm. for them to do the lick. Okay. Well, he started, now starts the Mormon sex math. Yeah. Uh, of like what counts as sex, which is like, you tell one person, if you give each other oral sex, that's normally, right. that's, you've had sex with each other. Actually, it's probably more intimate than sex. Much more. It could be, sure. Would you put, you'd say oral sex is more intimate than, than Penny? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think so. I think so. <laughs> we could have this conversation all day. <laughs> but you just dive right into it. So he was a curious boy with curious little, curious little ideas. Yeah, he just ate this chick's pussy. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Well, after that. Travis further endeared himself to Jody by encouraging her new business venture, J Fine Art and Photography, using motivational speaking terms like limitless thinking to spur her on, even though Jody was a terrible fucking photographer. She would maintain deep into the trial that that's what her job was in life, that she was a photographer. No, she was a waitress. <laughs> Wait, whatever. Whatever. Meanwhile, Jody had told Daryl that she was no longer going to have sex with him because it was against LDS rules, which surprised Daryl because Jody had never given a fuck about religion before that. Hmm. Now, when Jody and Travis couldn't meet at the Hughes home, they met in hotels halfway in between Arizona and California, where they would watch game shows, eat at the Sizzler, study the Book of Mormon, (laughs) and continue to have nice Mormon sexual encounters that didn't quite break the rules. Technically, all this sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've never been to a Sizzler. I've never been to a Sizzler. What? I've never huh. been. Never been there. That's surprising. Is it too high class for you? Yeah, I've yeah. Never walked, too good I've never for driven it? by one. I've never seen a Sizzler. As far as I know, they're the cryptids of all restaurants. I don't think they exist. We'll go to the one in Glendale because you and I need to bring buffets back. I'm not like <laughs> oh, buffets. A buffet? Well, there's a buffet portion. No one gets the entrees. Only cucks get the entrees at Sizzlers. <laughs> you go and you go to the fucking buffet and you yeah. get all of the sides. You get the big onion rings, them corn nuggets. You're going to love it. Yeah. Okay, I'm sold. Well, mostly Travis and Jody kept it to oral sex and sometimes anal sex. Which yep. is it's legal. It's not great in the eyes of the LDS, but it's not a full transgression. Okay. I feel like anal sex is, that's got to be, that's so much harder than vaginal it's sex. It's very difficult. Yeah. Indeed. No, I knew kids, there were kids in high school that definitely, I mean, they were evangelical Christian, but they still definitely mm-hmm. went with the anal sex because it wasn't, you weren't quite going all the way. You weren't pissing off God that much. Well, they called it the Catholic condom mm. in my school. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. But there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Yeah. Just think about that, the, the purple oyster. What did we say? <laughs> purple plums. The, the purple plum. That could also happen. Well, the most innocent of their encounters was the constant grinding, which we found out is known affectionately to Mormons as the Provo Push. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Now, Jody had already fallen for Travis, but Travis was already starting to become distant. They'd talk on the phone for hours between visits, but when they saw each other in person, it became obvious that Travis was mostly interested in more Provo pushing. Yep. He started immediately. He started immediately compartmentalizing her. 
of this because they didn't really get along personally. Mm-mm. The only time they really connected in any way, shape, or form was when they were having sex with each other. But Travis thought that this was mutual. He thought in his mind when he was saying because he thought that we were both getting what we want out of sure. the sexual relationship, or at least that's what he was telling himself. And she might have maybe thought that for a while, but what you'll see when she talks about the trial, she was like, that was the only time she felt she knew Travis was when they were having sex. It was the only time that he would open up. The only time he would ever do anything that was like a connection to her. But she was like denying it and she kept feeding it. Like it was, it was a whole thing. She was just getting like kind of wilder and wilder. Well, in order to become the woman that she thought Travis wanted, Jody suddenly announced that she was converting to Mormonism and Travis baptized her himself on November 26th, 2006, not two months after they met. The look on his face, they took pictures at the baptism and the How look of the face. Baptize him? But How, that's what you do. Do you get yeah, like in a in a in a tub? Where did they go? You absorb nothing. <laughs> if you look at the whole Mormonism series we did, yes, they put him in a huge tub. They baptized. No, I him. know that, but I'm saying it's just this guy and her. Were that a Motel Six? Where? He was like her sponsor. His Mormonism was like she was like he she he brought her in. They were at a okay. temple. Okay. Yeah, and his the look on his in his eyes. The only way I can describe it is I'll take a picture of me and like they're they're next to each other and she's smiling and looking his face and being like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> because he realized what he's done. He keeps saying like, we're not, we're friendly. We, we're fuck buddies. It's cool that we're fuck buddies. So it's what we do. He's like, when you're super hammered, you say something dumb and then you try to walk it back for three hours and you're just like, this isn't working. There's nothing I can do to there, make this better. I have, I have opened a door to this because she was like maybe I should maybe it'd be fun for me to convert to Mormonism and he didn't say like I think that's a bad idea (laughs) which is the first thing probably ran straight to the service being like you should probably not do that because I got a foot out the door and then she did it though yeah and then she because then that's this is the again every anybody just say say what you're thinking say say your truth Tell people what you're really feeling, because if not, this is what happens. And the, this is well, the, I don't even think you usually don't get stabbed thirty times. I feel like being stabbed thirty times isn't even the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is you create a family, <laughs> no. and you don't realize it. All of a sudden, you go, "Oh, these kids," and you that's hate possible. everybody, and you just and then you disappear, or you start killing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's a good point. But in a move that, in my opinion, made sure that Travis would never take Jody seriously as a long-term partner, the two of them had full-on sex just hours after the baptism ceremony. It is a completely unsexy ceremony, right? You hmm. got the you get the you get the Mormon underwear, right? You are uh, stared at by a group of elders, all just shaking, just been like, "He will hold a child," like <laughs> just all of the <laughs> Emperor Palpatines yeah. from Mormonism staring at you, and you take a vow of chastity, yeah, in that moment, saying like, "We are going to wait till we get married. We're going to do this thing." And so he put the ring on his finger the yeah. whole time, cross fingers behind his back. They go, and this is the most holy of holies. You went into the fucking all-seeing eye of God himself inside of the temple. It's yeah. the most sacred space within the Mormon world. You lied. Then you you fucking got your snoosh, snoosh. Uh-oh. And I can't help but think, I was like, the, the idea of the cold wash of post-ejaculation, like, yeah. clarity. Yeah. 
what that must have been like after this that when they fucked oh yeah for him yeah because up to this point like they'd still been like mormon safe and then as soon as she becomes a mormon they fuck and they both break their vows which kind of makes it a little hotter i guess yeah it makes it a little hotter and then you just say wheels on and then you just watch wheel of fortune and forget about it (laughs) well that's because you i'm not gonna say it's healthy but it's a type of compartmentalization that works where this is he nuts and then it's the cold water of like i just did a big sin yeah i just did a big sin in front of god and she is kind of doing a performative thing anyway because she's just trying to fucking nail him down. She's just trying to make him her husband, essentially. She got him. Well, you know what's interesting? They call it a vow of chastity because every chastity I know had sex with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, it's such a strange name to, to have. <laughs> chastity, you don't think about it like that. <laughs> Less than a month later, Travis hosted a prepaid legal event in Mesa and invited friends from California and Utah to stay over at his place. And naturally, being in the prepaid legal scene, Jody heard all about it, so she invited herself along. But Travis told her, you can't stay with me. You can come, but you can't stay here. Whoa, come on, Trav. No, this is, he, Travis is not doing well no. with this situation because he doesn't like a mixing. He right. doesn't like Jody and his friends mixing because, as we'll see, they're very outwardly sexual. Hmm. Regardless, she showed up at his door anyway, announcing to everyone that she was his girlfriend, while Whoa! Travis had to keep walking it back by saying they were just dating. Every single just, time she said, I'm his, I'm his girlfriend. Yeah, but we, I, there's so many friends I have that are girls that are great. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and, and you are one of them girl Top Stash 10. Top 10. Friend. Top 10 yes. girl. Friend of mine. Yeah, you are. Hell yeah. By the end of the night, she'd creepily fallen asleep under Travis's Christmas tree. And this is a Mormon party, so it's not like they were all drunk or anything. There's no fucking alcohol here. I don't know. How much fucking Mountain Dew? You, know what I'm <laughs> yeah, I have so, you can have so much Mountain Dew, you kill your boyfriend. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. From there... Jody glommed on and became the stereotypical clingy girlfriend nightmare. She'd follow him from room to room. She'd sit on his lap anytime that he settled in. She'd even sometimes wait outside the bathroom while he was inside using it. This is the truth. This is the thing that his roommate, Travis's useless roommate, <laughs> that we'll probably cover more next episode, but him just being like, yeah, look, the thing that was like really weird about Jody is that whenever Travis, whenever T Dog, because he went by fucking T Dog, whenever fucking T Dog was going to the fucking bathroom and shit, she'd be like out there listening or whatever, and then leave when he flushed. It's fucking weird, man. That I didn't is, say nothing, that is though. so weird. I didn't tell him or anything. I didn't help him out or anything. It's not my business, man. I'm just the roommate, dude. Absolutely. Technically, that's a good roommate. Was, you can be surprised how much your male roommate can purposefully not see. (laughs) Look at Kato. But she was also publicly sexual with Travis, kissing his neck in front of other people. And in one particularly embarrassing display, she sucked his earlobe right in the middle of a Mormon wedding. (laughs) Well, this is fun. It's not (laughs) This is nice. Because she's just like live, like mm. just hanging out, you know, just like sucking on his neck and stuff being like, you like that, Chappy, baby? Do you like it? Well, I was just so upset with my earlobes being dry. Yeah. And now they're all wet. Yeah. So good. I guess I work on the other one. Ooh, the priest man's looking 
looking at me. Yeah. Mmm. Oh, he love, must love this. Love mm. having these wet ears. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> yeah. I like having this WAP. Wet ass pussy. Wet ass pussy. So is, is the is your butt sweating into your pussy or? You know. They've been talking with scientists quite a bit about what is the source of wet ass pussy, and they actually think that a lot of the liquid d- might do come from the top of the butt. <laughs> well, I'll remember that when we're doing cunnilingus. <laughs> well, he hated all this shit. Like he kept. God damn, man. <laughs> this poor guy. What? I mean, honestly, okay. So, but at this point, also, like, there's a lot of lonely people out there who wouldn't mind a Miss Jody. No, no, of course not. They wouldn't. Sure. But he fucking hated it. Like, he kept every time she would do it, he would just kind of like push her away and be like, hey, "Could you stop it? Could you please stop it?" Uh, and she'd keep trying to hold his hand and cuddle up with him, and he kept being like, "Could you just give me a little bit of space here?" But he kept inviting her to shit. He kept bringing her around. You kind of got to. Well, that's the thing is that she's publicly declaring herself his girlfriend. He keeps trying to roll it back, but at the same time, he's addicted to the snooch. Yeah, he right. wants the snooch more than anything else, and so he thinks that I can do all this. That I can, I can play with her feelings. I can use him when I want to, and then and then discard her yeah. or or hellish rebuke her whenever I can to get her out of the room. But sometimes. It doesn't really work like that. Well, I've been watching a lot of billionaires um, during panels. They do a lot of panels on money, and they always eat. Billionaires are always eating pretzels during public conversations. It's difficult for them to Um, stop, but they're always working and thinking. It's very weird. But one great quote, uh, a billionaire said, never underestimate an overconfident man. And I would say... Um, wait, no. Never underestimate somebody who overestimates themselves. What? Oh, well, that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That is a saying that actually yes. works. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. And it seems like he was underestimating her a little bit. Yes. Oh, yeah, constantly. Well, concerning the Mormons, every single Mormon that Travis knew saw that Jody was full of shit. She would study scripture, yes, but all she was doing was opening to random pages of the Book of Mormon and pretending to know what it was talking about all while constantly having, quote-unquote, Mormon experiences as a result. But the obsession with Travis didn't end there. Co-workers at the restaurant where she worked said she'd park outside the restaurant before her shift and wait in the car for Travis to text or call, and she wouldn't go inside until he did, even if it meant she was like 20 minutes late to her shift. But Jody would also do her best to make Travis jealous. One time, when Travis and his friends were all at a hotel with Jody, she over and over again walked past an open door where a group of businessmen were having a meeting, desperately trying to get them to notice her. (laughs) Think about this. It is a real-life version of Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, especially scary. My friend was murdered. That is very (laughs) scary when you put it like that. But she'd walk in front of it, but let it go like... Hey, boys, I don't see anybody looking at me. <laughs> this, is where you, this is where you make your polka. I don't want you. I don't want you. You're too young for me. Hey, you're yeah, too young. Yeah, that's actually a good young. song. But this is, we're just the beginning of this. Yeah. This is just her, this is, she's going to blossom into Laura Flynn Boyle. Yeah. Okay. She even went on dates with other men from prepaid legal, droning on and on about Mormonism before making out with them in her car and later calling them to say they couldn't date anymore, hoping that it would all get back to Travis. Damn. Now, the longer Travis's friends hung out with Jody, the less they liked her, partly because she seemed unemotional about all things Mormon. She'd always say the right thing, but it was always in the wrong tone. 
And they could tell that she just didn't believe. I well, mean, Mitt Romney is considered a Mormon extrovert. How much emotion <laughs> do they need? Well, they would be very into because, again, it's it's thought control. Yeah. So it has to go all the way down, deep in. You have to. Everyone has to pretend to be super enthusiastic about the thing, or else you stick out like a sore thumb. It's like fucking living in North Korea. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So it's like Kim Jong Un killing you because you didn't clap hard enough. Yeah. Yes, it, it, there is that strain, but there's also the the naivete of this group because you know how like 13 year olds can be cruel mm-hmm. like no. children <laughs> no. they I see it every day i think i got taunted about a year ago from a 13 year old a group of kids Ugh. they say they go Man. right to the center of what is the the thing you fear most about your own personality vicious someone took a picture of me on the subway once and then they i randomly ran into this person at the bar and they're like can't believe you're here and they showed me a blurry picture of myself and it's just because I'm big. Yep. <laughs> and then they also laugh because they're like, and the pictures came out blurry. It's kind of, it is, I could see there is humor there. But if you look at this case. Big Kissel is a human being, boys. ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, he is a yeah. human being. But the other boys around Travis had a 13-year-old's mentality about sexuality and everything that's going on. Yeah. So right. Travis, included in this, would say the same thing and be like, Jody's a nymphomaniac. You know what I mean? Like to everybody around them being like, she's this crazy sex cat and she's doing this to me. And that's the way they all started saying this about Jody. They were all like, Jody is Travis's like sex friend that will eventually disappear. And they look at her as just that. It's that she was like the driving force of everything. Meanwhile, right. like, Again, what what Marcus was saying, he kept inviting her out. Mm-hmm. He kept coming, she kept coming uh. back. Seems like there is trouble on the horizon. It's brewing. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it, and she loved it, and she wore it when we went on vacation, and my own, did everybody come around being like, where'd you get that piece, you beautiful woman? And I was like, stop talking to my wife. She's spoken for, you can see it with the Blue Nile, bling, she's got on her. Right now, get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing 
octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow, I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, Chris and Sky Hughes, they were still playing home base for a meeting point because they lived halfway between Jody's place in California and Travis's place in Arizona. And, of course, that's meeting spelled M-E-A-T-I-N-G, a meeting place where you go and you fuck. That's <laughs> <laughs> weird if I see think of meeting place, I think of barbecue place. No kidding. Well, this <laughs> Can't have sex with that. <laughs> I mean, you can. We saw Nadia's video. <laughs> oh, my. This, however, didn't last long because the Hughes family, particularly Skye, got very tired of Jody very quickly. Hmm. Eventually, she butted in and told Jody to move on, which naturally pissed off Travis. But Jody saw this as an opportunity. In order to up the ante again and to bring Travis closer, she wrote herself a fake email that was supposedly from an anonymous stalker. He said he was watching her every move, Travis doesn't deserve her, and that he was too far away to protect her. Now, while Travis fell for it completely, Skye immediately recognized it as a desperate attempt to get Travis to ask her to move to Mesa so he could quote-unquote protect her. When it didn't work, Jody got even more obsessive. 
She began showing up at Travis's house in the middle of the night unannounced, having driven 300 miles. And if Travis's Jeez. door was locked, she would crawl through the doggy door to get in. <laughs> This is this I is am where it's a little bit scared. This is where it really starts to turn. <laughs> okay. Right. Cause think about this. Again, Travis didn't think this was a threat because she's a hundred and ten pound woman. Right. Shows up at his house. To me, I've had this happen to me. I had this happen to me in college where somebody just shows up, right? They just show up. And they're like, hi, I just got in the car and I don't know what really came over me. I just knew I had to see you tonight. And it then, could be kind of romantic, though. Yeah, I, it could be. This is monsoon. <laughs> this is monsoon. All right. So she shows up, but that's what Travis went like, all right. You know what I mean? Like, okay. <laughs> I know it happened once. If it happens once, you're like romantic. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Two times. Shows back up. Okay. Getting weird. Uh-huh. Becoming a scheduled thing. Why don't well, I don't know why it's like this? Third time, you crawl in my doggy door, right, and start fucking around in my kitchen. And she tells you about it all funny. She's like, "Yeah, I was knocking and knocking, and you didn't answer, so I just crawl into the doggy door." <laughs> and you have to, and you still go like, "Cool." <laughs> That's wow. bad, man. No, That's you gotta, that you is board just, up that doggy door. Yeah, get rid of the doggy door. Definitely. <laughs> That's just a door. Yeah. And then she had a t-shirt custom made that said Travis Alexander's. You like it, Travis? And, you like it? <laughs> and wore it around. I made it. I made it so I, because I belong to you, Travis, and that's no one else. That's my name. Yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got a shirt with my name on it. Yeah, you like it? Uh, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely my you name. You like it? You tell me you like it. I love it. Now later, her defense would say that Travis had ordered the shirt and made her wear it. But. Boyfriends love doing that. <laughs> oh, I can't. Nothing makes me happier than when a woman who I maybe or when I'm scared for my life, and if they have a shirt with my name on it, this is property of Ben. Yeah, Pizzles. that's yeah. just man that makes me feel great. But his friends maintain that if this was the case, if Travis had made the shirt, it wouldn't have said Travis Alexander's. It would have said T Dogs. T Dogs. This guy is a pretty hip dude. He is pretty. <laughs> He has two hips. I guess that explains the doggy door. Maybe it's for him. <laughs> it was actually for his pug, Napoleon. Oh, How's he doing now? I I would imagine, this is a while ago, pugs don't live very long, so I'd imagine no. Napoleon's probably in the ground, yeah. Natural causes, though. Natural, natural causes. causes. Suicide. <laughs> Suicide. Is that, is that pug natural causes? <laughs> yep. I thought it was having too much cake. <laughs> don't feed your dog cake. No. No, not chocolate cake, anyway. Now, on one of those unannounced visits, Jody went through Travis's MySpace account. Because this is 2007, oh. after all, so they're all on MySpace. And she found sexually explicit messages from Travis to a married Mormon woman. What? But instead of this being the end of the relationship, as it should have been, Jody parlayed Travis's guilt into official coupledom. Boom! Flip it. Boom! This flip is, it. This she listened to Kissel right Management. Yes, indeed. She he, put it all on red. Boom! Flip it. There's something about the idea of someone doing things flagrantly against your will, and you saying, "I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this," and then you then escalate your own relationship, and you you like upgrade it. Yeah. To okay, I'll be your I'll be your boyfriend then. Which is setting a system of allowances that you have now said, okay, all that shit's cool. This is the rules of our relationship. You can break into my house anytime that you want. Like, because this is, have you had this debate? What's this idea? Like the idea that 
If someone can break into your house? If someone looks into your social media accounts and discovers you cheating, but they had to transgress the breaking into your social media accounts to discover that you're cheating, who's worse? Who's at fault? I just think the whole thing should probably end. Yeah, the whole thing yep. should just end. Yeah, you're ju- you're just it's a bad relationship because if you mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just if you break into someone else's social media account, then you don't trust them already. So, Mhm. Yeah. So it seems like all this is bad. (laughs) Seems like it's not going to end great. I'm guessing that's why we're talking about it. And naturally, when they became officially a couple, Sky Hughes objected, and she finally decided to make her worst fears known. In an unfortunately prophetic statement, Sky told Travis during a conversation one night at her house when both Travis and Jody were staying there that Jody straight up fucking scared her. In fact, she said that Jody's obsessive behavior and jealousy were so concerning that she and her husband wouldn't be surprised if they one day heard that Travis had been found dismembered in Jody's fridge. So you guys think it's going to last? <laughs> but the best part is that if I'm in the fridge, I can last for like a year. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Cool. Everyone knew that she was dangerous. Everyone saw this coming. But just as Sky was saying this, she heard the door behind her creak. Oh my Turned God. out... Jody was standing in the hallway listening to the whole conversation. I was just walking by. Yeah, I was just walking by. Just seeing what you guys are talking about. Oh. I was saying that I was just straight up scared that Jody would miss dessert <laughs> because I made all of this pineapple upside down cake. Well, as soon as Sky realized that Jody was listening, she loudly changed the subject. So that last sentence never happened. <laughs> now let's talk about the jazz. <laughs> Always talking about the jazz. (laughs) Jody then walked in, asked, hey, why aren't you guys in bed yet? And they said, oh, we're just talking, you know, just staying up. We're old friends. Hadn't seen each other in a long time. And then Jody left. After Jody left, Sky and Travis continued talking about Jody. But when Sky got the feeling of being watched, Travis opened the door again, and there stood Jody once more (laughs) wearing a look of Pure rage. Yeah, it's like terrified. It's right like now. when I have to shut the door on Wendy so Natalie and I can have sex with each other. Oh my god! Oh. And after that, the Hughes never let her back into the house. Oh uh, yeah, she yeah. just never was allowed in the house ever again. Never that's again. A massive red flag. If your girlfriend is not allowed in your friend's house, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a red flag. But he's just keep separating. He. He thinks he's got all this handled. Mm-hmm. He thinks he knows. He's the fucking mm-hmm. sales lead at PPL, Kissel. <laughs> I know. It's a money laundering scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. He's company. doing very well in it. Okay. Now, since Jody was banned from their regular meeting place, they started taking road trips together, taking off locations from a book unfortunately titled A Thousand Places to See Before You Die. Hmm. That's very scary. It really does make this whole story. Every single thing that sounds innocent becomes so macabre. Yeah. Right. Because it's like every single time, as I'm going through all of this material, every love song becomes scary. Yes, absolutely. It's not like the movie about Schmidt where it's like bucket list. Let's go. <laughs> let's go to Montana. It's uh, you want to you want to get to see as many sites as possible because he didn't have a long time left. During these trips, they'd also swing by prepaid legal conferences where Jody would once again be sidelined and ignored for the duration. While she kept trying to get, come in and grab Adam and all that, and he just ignored. No, just leave me alone. But once Travis realized his friends didn't approve of Jody, he kept seeing her. She was still his girlfriend, but he started keeping her 
a secret. Mm. In the meantime, they traveled to, among other places, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this big, creepy, gigantic cross outside of Amarillo that also has a statue of Jesus holding a dead fetus. It's a real weird place. He's got to be holding it, because if not, it'd be on the floor or on a plate (laughs) or in a bucket. (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. And they also visited all the big Mormon landmarks like Nauvoo and the Sacred Grove, where it was said that Joseph Smith received the golden plates. I'm going to say the worst place they went to was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Little overrated. I like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The only thing you can fit, honestly, Marcus, it's because you can fit in the clothes. Yes, the only thing (laughs) the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame showed me was that every rock star wears tiny clothes. Very (laughs) tiny. And it's just, I'm like, why, am I even allowed to talk? No, How we are we are just not rock star sized. No. You're supposed to be. You have to have a 27 inch waist at least. Absolutely. However, Travis was still texting other women, and when Jody discovered this on a road trip to Huntington Beach in June of 2007, they agreed that Travis wasn't ready for a relationship, and they broke up. Well, I'm not ready for a relationship right now, Lois. <laughs> That's Ace Ventura. <laughs> wow. But you wonder at some point he's like, oh. So many texts from all these different women. Ah, man, I shouldn't be doing this, huh, Jody? Huh? <laughs> it seems like this would be a reason for us to break up on all these texts that I'm sending, huh? <laughs> this man is tempting fate right here. Not to victim blame. No one deserves to get stabbed. But hey, she broke up with him. So this was it for her? That's, yes. Yeah. Okay, for now, obviously. They only, think about this, they only dated four months. Yeah. This whole thing is four months. She's sneaking in the dog door. They only dated for four months. They fucked for much longer than that. Okay. Well, after they broke up, Travis seemed to begin the process of finding his proper Mormon wife and started dating a woman from church named Lisa, who is a self-described lover of all things Disney, Kevin Costner, and karaoke. I'm also just one of those crazy girls that loves carbs. <laughs> wow. I love carbs, and I love a glass of wine or two. Wow. Well, that's actually pretty controversial for the Mormon church. That's amazing. I can't think of a fate worse than death other than his actual fate than dating this woman. Well, I mean, she's just a regular Mormon woman. She loves yeah. Disney and Kevin Costner. It's like, I mean, everyone loves the costs. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But until, of course, if, until she meets him, and then next thing, they're married. Kevin Costner is a very specific flavor. He's a hunk. I don't know. So you do you think that you would put him in the hunk category? Because I think that Kevin you find Costner? him. I find him to be sort of bland. I do too. But my wife would definitely put him in the hunk category. Yeah, your wife would climb him like a fucking jungle gym. <laughs> yes, indeed. You can't let them to be in the same room. Guy, He's not that big of a guy. Really? No, you could take him. You nah. could take him <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I think Maybe you should fucking. Call him out. The next time you come to L.A., yep. we'll find this fucking asshole. Three of us will show up in front of the house being like, you think you can fuck my buddy's you wife? Want, you want to fuck his wife, you dude? You think you can fuck my buddy's wife? Oh. Yeah. Good Lord. Loved you. Loved you in uh, Robin Hood, though. <laughs> we all did. Love him in Robin Hood. The best. Prince of Thieves. But tragically, Travis just couldn't stay away from Jody. It was him that got a hold of her again. And even though he was dating Lisa, he was still calling Jody for raunchy phone sex. And by July, Jody had moved just four miles from Travis's house in Mesa. You see, oh, this is where it gets. Because this is, again, he thinks he's got this under control. Yeah. She's in California. She's 300 miles away from me. This we is can, not good, buddy. I can handle all this. Comes a surprise announcement. Hey, Travis, what's up? You look great tonight. 
Uh, nothing, Jody. What are you doing here? You drove again from California? <laughs> no, silly. I'm your neighbor now. <laughs> and then you could just, like, the look on his face going, oh. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Awesome. This isn't going to derail everything. Well, from there, Travis and Jody's relationship was mostly sexual. I mean, she, again, molded to what he wanted. She'd sneak into his house three or four times a week for sex, and she'd send dirty texts like, I want to grind you, and my pussy is so wet. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to go to the doctor for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is uncontrollable piss. <laughs> that is, I think it's coming from your butt. It's actually... It's, it's You're kinda... fucking 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, we've degraded as men. Yes, but if they weren't fucking, they were fighting. Endlessly cycling through arguments and makeup sex. And with each cycle, the sex kept getting dirtier and more animalistic. Because sex was pretty much the only thing Jody had to hold on to at this point. Like, what do you mean? Were they making barn noises? Was it like, <laughs> now it's Moo Mondays. Don't forget to come over in your best dotted dress. Well, yeah, he put a bell on. She put a farmer's hat on. He's got a, she's got to milk the cow. You gotta, and then you got to put the cow in the fuck stable. Oh, my God. We didn't even have time to have sex beating all these fake farmers. All these fucking chores. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish we could. I could just suck your dick. I just keep Horrible. pantomiming picking corn. <laughs> Horrible foreplay we've uh, come up with here. Well, from what Travis told one of his friends, Jody became an addiction. And even when he did manage to break free temporarily, she'd show back up and throw herself at him sexually. And he could never resist. Meanwhile, Jody's view of the relationship was getting more drastic. She wrote in her journal that if things didn't work out with Travis, she'd kill herself. And things got even more heated when Jody caught Travis making out on the couch with Lisa. Oh my god, if this wasn't so sinister, it's really not a big deal. <laughs> it is interesting to also say, you know how she caught them, right? Was she stuck in through the dog door? She was staring at them through his window. She's fucking Michael Myers in this shit. She yeah. went outside his house and would stare inside of his windows for hours. Uh, out there with her shirt that says Travis point? Alexander's. Just hanging out with like, I went by the gun store the other day. I Did got Le- you a rack. Some muscle. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need a gun rack. I'm going to need a uh, gun. Uh, doesn't Lisa, like Lisa must recognize this weird ass chick is outside constantly. Well, that's why the relationship was short lived because all uh. Travis would talk about was Jody. Like, it wasn't just oh, that she my. was around all the time. Travis would talk about Jody fucking constantly. And Lisa said that Travis was too focused on sex anyway for her to take him seriously. But considering how Lisa later said that she thought that a man could will away an erection through faith in Lord Jesus Christ, it seems like Travis just had the sex drive of an average dude in his fucking 20s. All yeah. of these people were horribly brainwashed by Mormonism and their idea of sex. And I think that's a part of, that's the thing is that none of them were educated with any way, she, any tools. None of them had any tools to handle the, this type of complicated interpersonal relationship sure. to figure out like, when is somebody a threat? When does it get to a point where you truly have to set a boundary? A boundary is a very, because you have to stick by these things. You just, again, it's like, if you're going to text that person, just fucking jerk off, get the, Get it out. Get, come once. And then look at the text. Yes. Very good advice. Anthony Weiner could have used it a long time ago. Yes, he could have. That's have a funny little joke there about Anthony Weiner. He was congressman. 
We all remember. We all Aberdeen. It's gonna be uh, gonna be a mayor here. He, he would have been our mayor, mayor right now. He would have been a picture with a boner next to his kid. It's not, not good. good. <laughs> <laughs> he should have let the power of God will it away. Yeah. Sydney Leathers, remember her? I yep. love Sydney Leathers. <laughs> yes, indeed. She made a lot of money there for that week. <laughs> well, regardless, the pause on the relationship with Lisa sent Travis back to Jody. And a road trip to Carlsbad Caverns and Roswell, which that's a great fucking road trip. Yeah, cool. not bad. They're doing shit. They're doing shit, yeah. But they shouldn't be doing anything. No, I know, but it's just if it didn't end in murder. But that's the thing is that Travis is also treating Jody like shit. Like he's yo-yoing her because yeah. he take he does the road trip with her and he comes back and you know on the road trip it's like yeah you know maybe we'll give things another shot. He comes back and he immediately goes back to Lisa and it's like yeah sorry Jody I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna do this. Like he doesn't no. know what the fuck he's doing. He doesn't know the forces that he is fucking with. Okay. He's using her and. Again, yeah, in another situation, that would be the problem, is that he is using her for sex. But he's slowly increasing the level of danger. Every single time, he yo-yos Jody back and forth. And after that, Jody started climbing in through the doggy door again while Travis wasn't at home to go through his computer and rearrange his possessions just to fuck with him. Just to show you that no matter where you go or what you do, it's just a funny little message just to show that... Like, I don't leave. <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like it. No, no I don't I leave. Actually, and I, I loved where I used to keep my keys because I always knew where they were. But then it seems <laughs> as if you've, you move them. This woman really is. This is one of the scary. This is maybe one of our first true stalker situations. Yeah. It's safe to say she's a straight up stalker, right? I mean, she started hanging around Lisa's house while Travis was there. She'd open ah. up the front door just to make the alarm go off. She'd play ding dong ditch and run away. My, my question is, though, is that is it a stalker if you're fucking the stalker? If I don't are, know. Do, do you th- like if you're fucking the stalker and Ooh. you are leading the stalker on? Hmm. I think that you are you. No one is doing great. Yeah. No one's doing. No one is making the right decisions here other than maybe Lisa. We mm-hmm. don't know yet. Yeah. Lisa's just living her Mormon life. Huh. They're just doing Eskimo kisses and fucking drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, I mean, she kept with the stalker behavior. I mean, she slashed his tires twice. She slashed Lisa's tires. And then she started singing, sending vaguely threatening emails from an account with the name John Doe. It was mostly just Jody telling Lisa that Heavenly Father was deeply ashamed of all of Lisa's quote-unquote whoredoms. <laughs> Very scary. Very scary indeed. <laughs> but Travis had other problems besides just Jody. The year was 2008. Oh no, it comes the recession. <laughs> and Travis had bought his house a couple years before at one of those famously high mortgage rates. And that mortgage rate was only getting higher as the Great Recession loomed. He then owed more money on his mortgage than his house was worth. I don't want to tell you that I told Travis boom flip it. Yeah. But <laughs> I did. And I thought it was going to I thought the good times were never going to end. Yeah, yeah. And because of this, Travis had to get roommates, who turned out to be completely and totally useless. The only reason, yeah, why, I pick up the, the only reason why I mention the roommates is just to illustrate how fucking useless they were in every way. The roommate is good if you need a human shield, though. Yep. But they didn't, even do that. they didn't even do that. They didn't even do that. Okay. Well, after that, Travis broke up with Lisa and started seeing a Mormon named Mimi. After the third date, though, he came home to find Jody asleep in his bed. Oh, it's like a Disney fairy tale. <laughs> it's not, though. It's not, though. It's bad. It's not like it's not a sugar plum fairy. It's a very dangerous woman. 
Well, over the next few weeks, she continued breaking into his house, this time stealing shit in addition to moving things to odd locations. In the middle of all this, Travis started a blog. Because, again, it's 2008. (laughs) He called it Travis Alexander's Being Better blog. And two weeks later, Jody started one as well that was pretty much just retreads of everything Travis wrote. And she would continue, she would quote things that Travis quoted. Like, Travis was a big fan of Marianne Williamson because of how oh. much. Yeah, because of remember. I like, love Marianne. We forget that Marianne Williamson's been around for fucking decades. A Course of Miracles has been in my mother's life for so long. And look how <laughs> great your mom is doing. She's so adjusted. <laughs> She's doing perfect. You guys communicate all nice and clear. Can we, I'm with it. It's clear. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Travis had invited Mimi along on a trip to Cancun. Problem was, this was a prepaid legal trip, and he'd already asked Jody. But when Mimi said yes, Travis told Jody he was going alone. Yo, bro, this is not going to be good. Even so, Travis and Jody continued talking, fucking, and having phone sex. And Jody ended up recording one of those phone sex sessions without telling Travis she was recording it. Okay. Now, honestly, the actual dialogue is just too fucking embarrassing to play. I mean, I could only imagine how fucking mortifying it would be to have the entire world listen to me having phone sex with a fucking woman who ended up murdering me. It's the worst fucking nightmare. Yes, indeed. The butt is the water is pooling up on my butt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, soon it's gonna go mm, to my pussy. My pussy. <laughs> I don't want. I can't imagine anybody hearing my horny voice. No. I don't want it because I don't want to hear the register of my horny voice no. recorded in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to hear the. Uh, I don't want to hear it either. So, like, you just don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's very bad, and it's highly, it's highly embarrassing for Travis after the fact. Yeah. Absolutely. What we will play from the tape, though, is Jody Arias badly faking an orgasm, which was, by the way, played in open court. Okay. <laughs> There's something fake about that. <laughs> but you well, know, I mean, you know, she was she was selling it though. It reminds me of that romantic comedy. Not to keep on, maybe it's just pure loneliness again. I lost a dog in my butt today. Um, <laughs> But it, like something, what what about Sally? Whatever happened to Sally or Sally's big adventure? <laughs> Sally and well, Jen, Sally's big adventure. When, when Harry met Sally, is that what when you're it, talking about? When Harry yeah. and Sally had, uh, had I love the together. sequel, Harry, Sally's big adventure. When she goes there, she becomes super small and goes inside a magic tree. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, the one thing about all of this is that it ends with Travis saying, "You sound like a twelve-year-old girl having your first orgasm." He says this thing at the huh. end of this, which goes into their weird. In the trial section, we'll talk about next episode, she sets up all of this like pedophilia stuff, but it sounds like there was this weird game that they were playing where she'd be like, I'm just a little baby girl that doesn't know when to come. (laughs) Well. And it's just like, woo, not good. I can help you sell insurance. That's the only thing I know. (laughs) You sound like you're too young to be selling insurance. (laughs) No, the whole thing's highly fucking embarrassing. It sounds, it's awful that this shit was I mean, broadcast the entire fucking world. The whole world I mean, in front of his know. parents and his friends. And they had to hear. They had to hear his guttural like, "You don't want you to touch pussy." Yeah, you don't well, want you to do it. I don't know why they needed to play it so loud in court, but I guess it's very important <laughs> uh, they, in some ways. I don't know. The fucking phone sex conversation was an hour and ten minutes, and they played it beginning to end in court. 
What? Well, what's the whole point of that? We'll get well, into it. There's a we'll there is it. a reason we'll behind it. it. Yeah, but there is a reason behind it, and it's the defense that's playing it, not the prosecution. Oh, I see. And we can't say exactly what it was that drove Jody Arias to murder, because as we've demonstrated, it was a hundred tiny things that put the knife in Jody's hand. But the pebble that started the avalanche may have been a blog entry that Travis wrote on May 18, 2008, called Why I Want to Marry a Gold Digger. In it, he complained about being unmarried at 30 and went on to give a description of the kind of woman he wanted to marry, which sounded nothing like Jody Arias. Hmm. And he meant gold digger. He was being cute and yeah. turning the phrase on its side where he wasn't like, he didn't want to marry a gold digger like you'd say, like the, like the Kanye take West. you money, yeah. Version. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's someone who's willing to dig for the gold inside of me. Yeah. Right? Well, that's not the term, though. But <laughs> Yes, but he's this is PPL, his, his motivational version of it. And she read all the stuff, and it's like, not only was it not me, but... She also then had downgraded her location because she moved Mesa to act like things were like, maybe this will spur things and I'm closer to him, but she couldn't afford it anymore. So she had to leave and move back in with her grandparents. Ah. So this is like, she's already being downgraded yeah. even further. This yeah. is not good. The blog may have done it. Before this blog post, it was said that she talked about nothing but Travis, how they were going to get back together and get married, how this was all just a rough spot, and so on and so forth. But in late May, after the blog post, she became quiet and no longer talked about Travis at all. Instead, relations between the two of them turned nasty. After she allegedly threatened to release the phone sex tape she'd made, he called her an evil sociopath and told her he never wanted to see her again. And this seemed to be a sort of breaking point, because two days later, Jody began planning Travis's murder. On May 28th, she staged a fake burglary at her grandparents' house, taking only a DVD player, $30 of her own money to make it look good, and her grandfather's 25 caliber pistol, all while claiming... She didn't know what happened because she'd spent the whole day at the Buddhist monastery. That's it's where she always, always went. Always, <laughs> that's where she went. Yeah. But you also, if they you had, had to ask me, like, where do you think she is? Like, oh, Buddhist, Buddhist monastery. monastery. Yeah, that's where she goes. <laughs> but she also had the option of many guns. So it was like that thing where it was a stage break in, but she just chose a bunch of dumb shit and a bunch and just one of the guns, right. even though there was like 10 there. Okay. Jody had also started seeing another prepaid legal rep named Ryan Burns, and she made plans to meet him in Salt Lake City at a prepaid legal conference on June 4th before going to see her ex-boyfriend, Daryl Brewer. From Daryl, she picked up two gas cans, telling him she was planning on taking a long road trip and gas was just cheaper in California. Even though Daryl's like, why don't you go to the gas station? Yeah, there's so many gas stations around. She's mm -hmm. like, you don't get it, and you never did. <laughs> well, you can you can take them then. You don't get it. You just feel free. And to you take never them. understood me. I thought you. I guess you haven't been spending much time at the Buddhist monastery. <laughs> oh, I'm there every day. Okay. The truth, however, was that Jody was planning to drive to Mesa to kill Travis, and she didn't want any receipts to place her anywhere near Arizona premeditated perhaps oh, oh yeah. no and, and i believe that the date with ryan burns was her alibi it was it's yeah. a show that i was not in town I, I have this date with this clueless dude who's just like this is fucking so, this is fucking crazy yeah because it was one of those dates 
where she was like, she was in California. They started talking and she's like, I'll drive up and see you. And he's like, okay, cool. Hey man, once you get into the insurance game, pussy come running. I think everyone knows (laughs) that. They know that. Yes, indeed. Starts to pool up there at the top of the butt. Goes all the way down. After getting the cans, Jody called Travis at 1 p.m. and again an hour later, most likely to tell him she was coming through Mesa because Travis could never resist. He said, sure. Or at least that's what we think. We're not sure. We don't know. (sighs) Woo, buddy. I mean, at the very... She got there somehow. She got into his fucking house somehow. By 9 p.m., Jody was on her way, but only after she turned off her phone to avoid anything putting her in Mesa on June 4th. It's just okay. premeditation after premeditation after premeditation. The whole time just scream singing, Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? <laughs> just like every radio song, every uh, 70s love song, yeah. just like making her fucking more and more fucking pumped up. Just really, to just relating to Delilah on radio <laughs> like so hardcore. But because she covered a track so well, we're not exactly sure when Jody showed up at Travis's house. But we do know that before the murder, they had sex all afternoon. And the reason why we know this is because there is photographic evidence. This is like the key to this case being so unusual. Hmm. At 1.40 p.m. on June 4th, Travis took nude photos of Jody with his digital camera. One was her propped up on her elbows, hair braided into pigtails, while another was just one of those weird bent-over disembodied close-ups of genitalia and butthole. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's what Kissel did his research. <laughs> he did it, we yeah. got the text what, last night that yeah. Kissel did his. What, what did you call it, Ben? You, you said you'd, you'd done your beaver inspection? <laughs> no, I have the evidence right here because I don't, people don't think that I do a lot of work, but I did. Uh, this is evidence. Um, I said, also, I don't want to take the lead on uh, lead role on research, but I've been doing a lot of beaver investigation, and I'm pretty sure this chick is innocent. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's and great. It was only at one in the morning. And, I mean, we were all texting. But... I, I don't know. But Just were... based on those pictures alone, she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but there were pictures of Travis as well, one of him naked on the bed, and another featuring Travis making the peace sign. They also, according to Jody did a little rope play and Travis allegedly used a small knife to cut the rope into manageable pieces. Uh Uh-oh. At 419, Travis checked his email and by 522, he was in the shower. Now here's where things start getting a little muddy but based off the digital photographs that were found along with the forensic evidence, we can somewhat surmise what happened. When Travis got in the shower, Jody grabbed the camera and started taking pictures. This went on for seven minutes. But while most of the pictures were just butt and body, the last picture of Travis alive is entirely different. It's a close-up, but it appears as if Travis was sitting down in the shower and he's looking directly at the camera with a terribly sad expression as if he's finally realizing something fucking terrible for the first time. It's like, it's like oh Ugh. shit, to a thousand. It yeah. is, the, the look on his face is we don't know what he was looking at, but, you Did know. Did she have the knife in her hand? Or you know, I like don't that? know. I mean, quite I possibly. Know. I mean, she could also have just told him what she was about to do. Now that I've got you good and emptied, 
Now that you've had enough of my body that you've enjoyed so much from a distance, even though you kept me so far away emotionally, now that I'm not your gold digger, maybe now's the time for a Mr. Travis to go meet his father in heaven. I was actually redefining gold digger. As someone who could (laughs) dig for gold with me. I know you don't like digging. You don't like digging? Um... Yeah, we don't I know. think she had the knife. I personally yeah. think that that was when uh. she went like, "Here we go," because Oof. the because the what happens next is insane. The fact we end that- up happily ever after. <laughs> no, no, okay. I mean, the, the look on his face is like it's fear, it's disappointment, but there's also a hint of, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, like, are you fucking okay. serious with what you're doing right now? What we know Ugh. for sure, though, is that by five twenty nine p.m. Jody Arias had begun stabbing Travis Alexander to death. The first few stab wounds weren't immediately fatal, but they were deep. One in the center of the chest and three in the stomach, as well as defensive wounds that split the webbing on his hand between Ah. his thumb and index finger. Defensive wounds are so gnarly. Yeah, man. Well, you could just, she's just, I mean, it is rage stabbing. What Jody didn't know, though, was that the camera was still on. And when it fell to the floor after the attack began, it started taking pictures. Now, none of these pictures are very clear, but what they do show is a partial portrait of a brutal two minutes. After the initial attack, Travis stumbled out of the shower and spewed blood into the sink as Jody stabbed him nine more times in the back. Still not dead, Travis stumbled into the hallway and collapsed, but Jody's rage wasn't quite done. With Travis on the ground, she stabbed his head deep enough to chip his skull before she slit his throat ear to ear so deep she cut to the spine. Finally, she grabbed her grandfather's gun and shot Travis in the temple, taking absolutely no chance that she might leave him alive. Perhaps looking to destroy the evidence, she then dragged the body back to the shower and washed off all the blood using a plastic tumbler and a towel. After that, she deleted all the photos from the camera, or at least she thought she did, and she dropped it in the washing machine with the bloody towel. After pouring in bleach and turning on the machine, Jody took the knife and the gun and left Travis's home. Neither murder weapon was ever seen again. But once she was a suitable distance away, she called her new boyfriend, Ryan Burns, and told him, she was on her way to Salt Lake City. And that's where we'll pick back up for part two of Jody Arias, where we'll cover her capture, her interrogation, and the extreme embarrassment of the most sexually explicit murder trial of the century thus far. Oh my goodness. Spicy, spicy shit. That's brutal, man. That reminds me, when you mentioned how far she cut, that reminds me of O.J. Simpson a little bit. Yes. Where they said it went all the way, like, damn near decapitated. Oh, no. Yeah. She, uh, his she, victims. This is a deep uh, well of rage. Yeah. That she just poured. It's like a lifetime of rage. Alexander. It's a lifetime of rage. She, and we'll talk about this next episode, too, about, like, does this make someone then possible to kill again like does this make you a permanently dangerous person or is this a thing or is this a one time we'll yeah, i'm gonna that. say it's more likely why not well i mean i'm gonna say it doesn't it doesn't bode well that she won't yes <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. All right, Jody Arias. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to uh, this week's episode. Absolutely fascinating. What's so weird is I feel like we're learning new stuff, despite the fact that this was so heavily covered in the uh, mid-2000s. There's a lot um, of details. Almost like we were told there's a lot a, of lies as well. There's a lot then. of details, a lot of stuff that didn't get specifically covered. Really, a lot of it's just in the trial. If you watch, the, all of the trial is available on YouTube. Well, yeah, so you said she was on the stand for 18 hours. She 18 was days. This, 18 days. 18 days. And so, so, gee, they made her, that was a whole show. We are going to, you'll get right into the center of Jodi Arias where you, she, she, to the, I mean, the destroy, the destruction of her whole case. She should never have been on the stand, but we'll get into that next right. week. Right. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, let's see here. Do we have some big announcements? We're going on tour this weekend. We're going to see you in Tacoma. Shut up. We're going to see you. <laughs> Shut up. We're I not going anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we got some merch if you yeah. want to get some merch. We got, a new fa- we got a new fan shirt. Our new fan yes. art shirt. It is on lastpodcastmerch.com by Noah Myhoff. He is at N-C-M-E-I-H-O-F-F on Instagram. He's an amazing designer. And we have our new Greg Drunk yes. t-shirt up there. It's really, really great. Good chicken it. Absolutely. And thank you all so much for the incredible fan art and everything that uh, you share with us. It really brightens up the day, especially as these days continue. <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, that's it. Keep on checking out all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. You know where to find them. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to go. I think that's about it. I would. And I'm going to say, if you feel, maybe this is a good time. If you feel like you're threatened in a relationship or if you're scared of your uh, significant other, especially during this time period, um, make sure you tell somebody. I don't know. Yeah. There are services. Maybe we can even put that up on the socials. Uh, just, it's better to tell people no matter how embarrassing it is before you end up getting stabbed to death while you're taking a shower. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Oh, hail Geen. Let's do a Magustalations. Hey, I could do one of those. You can do one. Hail me, eh? Oh, sure. Why not? Hail my tiny little panties I got on, huh? <laughs> you definitely have tiny shorts on. You can see up. We see how far my legs go? <laughs> I do. All the way to the top. Every day. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.